If you're on a GLP-1, you're probably loving the results. But how do you feel? All of those side effects can take a toll. So now what? Get to GNC. We'll help with solutions to address those side effects and keep you going on your journey. GNC. This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun. And that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. TV I Say with Ashley Ray, your go-to podcast for discovering what to watch on TV and getting behind-the-scenes insight from the people who make the shows you love. And today I want to clarify, because when I say people who make the shows you love, I'm not talking about studio CEOs, okay? I'm not talking about David Sozlov or whatever. I am talking about <laughs> writers. 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 They write the shows you love. It's the first thing that has to happen before something happens. But you've probably already heard TV and movie writers are currently on strike against the major Hollywood studios. So to help give you all the lowdown on what's going on with the Writers Guild strike, I invited two super talented TV writers on the pod, Nicole Thurman and Nick Weiger. Welcome to TV Club. Hi. Hello. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Yeah. thanks for having me. (laughs) (laughs) Will you two introduce yourselves, Nicole? What do you do? Yeah, um, I I'm like an actress, comedy writer, voiceover person. I've written on shows for Phoebe Robinson called Everything's Trash. I've written on like reality shows. I've written on Sherman Showcase, which is a sketch show. So I come from uh, acting background, but now I'm more writing. So yeah. I come from a writing background and now I've shifted over more to podcasting. I feel like these days people most know me from my podcast, Doughboys and Get Played. Uh, but yeah, I've written for TV a bunch. You know, I wrote for a Comedy Central show called At Midnight that's about to be rebooted on CBS. I wrote for a Sarah Silverman show on Hulu called I Love You, America. I wrote a Disney Plus show recently called Earth to Ned. And um, yeah, I've just kind of generally been working a string of jobs. The sector I work in is comedy variety. So sketch shows, talk shows, late night shows, award shows, specials, that sort of thing for about a decade and, and change now. Yeah. I and mean, what I notice is you're both writers. Yes. Mm-hmm. But you have other jobs. Yeah. Yes. Huh. That's the thing. What? Well, <laughs> yeah. Seems like that might have something to do with the problem. Yeah. Uh, so why are the writers on strike? Let's just start there. From what I'm getting and from what I'm kind of my perspective on it is that it's a job that is not being paid a living wage. So people are not being paid nearly enough to create the shows that they create. And times have changed. They've gone from network TV shows where there's only a limited amount of channels and things to watch on TV to every everything is streaming and there's a million shows being made and and I think that what hasn't caught up to the shows being made is how people are getting paid that that create those shows okay. and so I just think that the writers have reached this point where they came to a negotiation their contracts are up they're ready to like renegotiate and they're trying to bring things into the 21st century and the studios and network heads are like 
no, thank you. We like to keep it how it is because, like, we make a lot of money. <laughs> and it's more fun when you guys make little, little change. So, yeah, that's the main thing that I'm seeing. Yeah, but I mean, Nick, you know, most people assume TV writers, you're billionaires, yeah. Yeah. you're all millionaires. It used to be a more lucrative profession. And it's gotten to be sort of a thing where, you know, one of the stats I have is that 10 years ago, 33% of members of the union working in TV made the minimum. So contractually, that is the least amount they can pay you. Today, that's number is up to 49%. So we've gone from a third of all TV writers making the minimum to half of all TV writers making the minimum. Now you extrapolate that, that number's not going down. Right. So it's like becoming a thing where, and in addition to compensation being lower, your contracts are, are getting shorter. And Nicole, I'm sure you've sensed that as well as on your end, is just yes. like you're working for fewer weeks. So less money yes. per week, fewer yeah. weeks in a year. Yeah. How am I supposed to cobble together a living? Thus all the side hustles that everyone has. Yeah, yeah. it's actually really interesting yeah. for me coming into this as an actor. Like, I think I really started writing mostly in 2020. That was like when I fully was taking like staffing room jobs. And I noticed that it has even progressively gotten worse since I started doing it. In right. It's like the rooms have gotten smaller. <laughs> I've been in interviews where I finally, you know, was promoted to story editor on the last job I worked on. And I was like, Big hell deal. yeah, yes. right? Congrats. Yes. And then I go into an interview at the very end of the interview, they're like, by the way, the network is only hiring staff, staff writers. writers. Yes. And so I'm like, well, that's a big pay cut. Not to mention, it's like you go through all this work. You're constantly being told, we don't have the budget to pay you X amount of dollars. And it's like, you do, though. You yeah, do. You do. And so, yeah, I feel like it's a lot of fighting. You know, it's a lot of the money's all over the place for, you know, older white dudes writing versus like younger people of color, marginalized people coming yeah. in, too. And I think that's also been a huge a huge issue that I've noticed and that yeah, I've been I really mean, disappointed in. You said 2020 and that is the big year that all the white people on Twitter were like, we got to get black people, people of color into the media <laughs> and into Hollywood. And then they got us in and they were like, oh, you wanted us to pay you a lot too? Yeah. Oh, no. Right. Yeah. The opportunity isn't like, we we welcomed you in, isn't that enough? Yeah, that's the thing yeah. that I've seen in, even in my time in the Guild, you know, just like from basically 2011, 2013, somewhere in that range on is that... Rooms have gotten, you know, more diverse, but as they've got like more diverse, uh, compensation has fallen. Yeah. And so it's like kind of like the I feel like it's an attitude that sometimes gets packaged with diversity from corporations, which is kind of like you're lucky to be here attitude. And so it's 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 shitty. It really sucks. Yeah, it's like one of those things where it's like we had the meeting. Right. Yeah, right we right. had the meeting. We, we had the whole meeting. Everyone yeah. on diversity. Yeah. What do you want from us? And it's like we want pay. We, we want, want pay. Money. We want to have a way to become story editors yeah. and be on set and become showrunners one right. day. Yeah. Uh, another big issue is that. We've gone from these 22-episode seasons yeah. to a show having eight episodes, 10 episodes, so they're making smaller writer rooms. These Day of the Kids, they don't even remember 22-episode seasons. They don't even know yes. how much TV we used to have. True. <laughs> like, you would just watch so much of a show for so much of the year. And I miss that. Yeah. I know as a viewer, obviously as a writer, I miss that. How do you feel about it? Yeah, this episode of Lost, they're just going to kind of hang out on the beach for 44 minutes. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I guess so. Just fucking chill on the beach. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. I feel like it's it's really interesting because it's become such a different experience of watching TV. Remember we used to have like Thursday night is like oh, Friends yeah. or whatever the hell was on on Thursday nights. And then Friday was, you know, TGIF. And you're oh, like, yeah. what is that going there? They have the rolling roller coaster oh. in the beginning. Like the step Step parents. to step. Yeah, oh, step yeah. to step. But 
but yeah, it was more of an event. It was more of a thing. And I also was, int- I was watching some documentary. I can't remember what it was, but it was also talking about famous people in the same way where it used to be like in the 90s. Oh, it was like Brooke Shields documentary. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> where it used to be in the 90s, we had like 10 famous people. And we were like, those are the famous people. And now it's just like millions and millions, you know, anybody. And yeah. And so it's just become such a different, like, there's no like excitement. We're not all like tuned into one thing anymore. Yeah. Right. I think the other thing, though, that's happened is that we've had, you know, the, the gulf has increased between the very top and, you know, the bottom line workers, like the yeah. people who are like, you know, kind of at uh, who are working for minimums. Like and partly that comes because it's like, hey, we've got this name showrunner and they're going to have all these shows and, you know, they're giving people opportunities. But it's like when they're actually employing the writing staffs, I'm not talking about the showrunners now, I'm talking about the studios, their compensation is lower and lower. So I think we're headed towards a like we see so many places in our economy where it's just like there, there's these super rich and then there's just everybody else on the bottom. Right. They've been talking a lot about the middle class and yes. how there's no middle class. There's no middle writers. class yes. of writers. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know. One of the things I thought was scary is that the studios came back and said that they want to give comedy writers a day rate for doing comedy and like late night, which as someone who I am not in the WG, I'm in TAG, the Animation Guild, mm. because there are all these little loopholes that shows you so they aren't in the WGA and instead some animated shows are in TAG and we get paid even less. And so... Yeah. Seeing that, I was like, oh, no, they want to do to comedy what they're already doing to us animation writers where I get like $200 to go write something for a day. They can't do that for late night. No. And like you were working in late night. So in Comedy Central, right? So it's like I've had the same experience of working in late night where they renewed our contracts, I think, every 13 weeks or something like that. And it's like even that is stressful. Yeah. Right. You have a job for 13. And you're like, oh, God, am I going to get fired? Is this going to cancel? Because they can do anything with these contracts. And so to think You'd have that you have day? a day rate like you could get fired on a friday yeah on a monday oh, my, like right and that just shows how little value they put in the writers yeah. they want it to be a gig and it's yeah. like how many gigs are we supposed to take people are having families they want insurance they want to grow and have a stable yeah. life and also just work on one show for a while right. you know when i hear older writers who are like oh, i just got to work on grace under fire for four years <laughs> it's like oh the glory day oh my god sounds beautiful right yeah. i kind of love some of those like older writers who are just like they were like we benefited from it and now I'm pissed off on your behalf we've seen a lot of those people on the picket lines and that's been honestly really really encouraging because they're aware of the generational divide and they're aware that like they got in while the getting was good and now today's writers like you know deserve what they used to have because the the companies can afford it these are the largest companies on earth we're talking about Amazon we're talking about Apple these are like two of the biggest corporations on earth period not just in media exactly Um, it is uh, 3% of their, their annual revenue all the studios that's what the writers are asking for, yeah. just 3%. number I heard was 2%. Either way, yeah. it's like, Either that's a small percent. So and I think the, <laughs> that's a little yeah. percent. And then I think the AMTP came back and they were like, uh, we looked at their math and actually it's more like 9%. Oh <laughs> it's like, oh, oh is, are wow. we supposed to believe yeah, that's sorry. too much? We fold. Wow. Um, I, wait, you mentioned about TAG, which is the animation guild, which I'm also a member of, of like, yeah, this kind of speaks to, and I think you used the word loophole, which is that these studios are like the masters of finding loopholes. Yes. So it's like, you know, like, hey, we want to pay we have this new thing now we've that we call a mini room yeah. that's like it's like a writer's room but it's a it's a tiny teeny tiny mini it's room, mini room. Yeah. so you guys get a little teeny tiny little contract ideas. and a little bit of pay you're not you know? making yeah. a mini show exactly but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. I've talked to people on the line who were like, I wrote an entire season of TV in a mini room. And they just yes. sort of like ran wow. with it. Yeah. 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 The two shows I've written for, they were mini rooms, did a whole season. And it's like, okay, we're just going to act like it wasn't a whole yes. season of yeah. TV. I want to ask. So, you know, if you're not familiar, every three years, the the WGA, they negotiate a new contract with the Hollywood Studios. Uh, usually this just goes pretty smoothly. There have been, I believe, four other strikes like throughout history. There's like one in the 80s and one in the early 90s, maybe one in the 70s. Who knows? 2007 was the most recent. Yes, I know that much. That's yeah. the yeah. most recent, and that's the one I want to talk about. Yeah. Because yeah. 2007 was the big one. The strike lasted 100 days. It started November 2007. Do you two remember where you were? What you were doing? <laughs> well, I will say that I was in LA, but I was not in the Writers Guild yet. So I was like, oh, this is going on. I was conscious of it. But, you know, I was I was working in the video game industry. So yeah, I wasn't I wasn't yet a part of it. Yeah, I wasn't either. I think I was living in Chicago or something. Like, I wasn't as involved in the industry as I am now. But I do remember that shift from, like, TV to reality TV. Because it was like, oh, well, these people don't know that they're (laughs) going to get screwed. (laughs) These people aren't in a union. They don't have any. This is all new. Exactly. So we can take advantage of these people, pay them jack shit, and then, like, put them on TV. And that's TV now. And come up with brilliant shows like Kid Nation. (laughs) (laughs) I'll I'll also say those shows should be covered. Those should be union. Union as well. Yes. And then they, that's they should be. Another way they kind of get out of it is like, oh, this yeah, is yeah, exactly. Loophole. Yes, they have writers, but they're not really writers. Exactly. Yeah. No, yeah. But what you were talking about, 2007, uh, 2008 writer's strike birthed Celebrity Apprentice. Yes. So you can draw a direct line from studio intransigence uh, and that work stoppage to the Donald Trump presidency. Yeah. That, like, but for real. For real, yeah. yeah. For real, though. It's like you look at the ratings on The Apprentice in like 2007, they were going down. Advertisers were like, the show is done. It's so boring. We're not getting ad time. Mm-hmm. Clearly it was going to be canceled. Writer Strike happens, and NBC is just like, well, I don't know. I guess a lot of celebrities uh, can't produce, aren't in production right now, want to just get them on a reality show with Donald Trump and. It blew up. It revitalized the brand. Yep. Kept it on air until, what, like 2014. Wild. <laughs> if you're on a GLP-1, you're probably loving the results. You look good. But how do you feel? How about the stomach issues? Loss of muscle mass? Lacking energy? All of those side effects can take a toll. So now what? The answer is GNC. We have solutions that can help address those side effects and make sure you don't get knocked off your path. Because when it comes to living healthy, we're all about it. And that includes keeping you going on your GLP-1 journey. GNC. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. I've always said that reality TV was a direct pathway to Donald Trump being yeah. president. So I think that's amazing <laughs> that you just said that because it's true, though. It's true. And it's how we got our sort of modern version of celebrity because Absolutely. that's when the Kardashians started and we stopped going, oh, you know, reality TV is about, you know, your next door neighbor who can sing and go on American Idol and everybody's surprised. And it's more like this level of celebrity we get to look into now, this yeah. like level of class. It's not about the talent. It's just about the look. 
Yeah, it's really it's funny because the way we're talking about this, it reminds <laughs> me of like dating. <laughs> and you know how dating used to be like super analog? Like you'd meet yeah. somebody, fall in love, fall like, in have love. chemistry, yeah, like, you'd meet in the grocery it. store. Yeah, and you'd be like, oh, yeah, this is so cute. And then like all of a sudden, like OkCupid okay, came out. And then ever since OkCupid, okay, like dating has completely changed now. It's yeah. hookup culture now. Everything is super like, whatever the word is for like, nobody cares about anybody. Everybody's just kind of like, whatever, I can just go to the next thing. And I think it's like once you get to that, it devalues the brand in a way mm. and so then people think less of it but it's like for us the people that are creating it working our asses off I have to wear glasses now I didn't have to wear glasses before <laughs> I wear glasses because I look at screens all day Yeah, like those people are like oh wait hold up like we still need we still need what we used to have which yeah. is a home and a, and a, and a life and a life okay <laughs> we're not like these starving creatives you should be able to no. have a career in writing yeah one thing that I think is very different from 2007 to now, and the way this usually goes is, you know, the, the union strikes and then the studios put out a lot of misinformation. Mm. For sure. Uh, they work with the the papers and the... And all the big radio and programs. And all the big radio programs <laughs> yeah. and the broadcast channels, and they get Dan Rather on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but they put out misinformation that tries to make the writers look bad. You're probably going to see a lot of stuff that's like, oh no, Stranger Things canceled. What will we do? Or, you know, yeah. pause for production. That's not the fault of the writers. That's the studio's fault for not giving the writers what they want. Uh, and back in 2007, it was hard for writers to fight against that messaging. You know, you the people, it's, <laughs> I yeah. feel like I'm so old. Back in 2007, we just had our internet news and, you know, no social media. So it right. was hard, you know. But now I feel like they're trying to do that. And the writers are just on Twitter like, hey, I'm the Duffer Brothers and we are standing with the union and it's like you can't make them look bad. Yeah. Uh, and every TV writer today has like a podcast with a little army of fans who just want to see them paid well. So I'm one, I'm curious, Nick, like you have a whole platform that you can use to be like, hey. I guess I do. <laughs> Okay, all right. I feel like that's some power back in the writer's pocket that we have this time around. And honestly, though, that's a great point. And, you know, social media, I think there's been a lot of excellent posting out there. Shout out Brittany Nichols, who I think just has the best posts in the game. And um, uh, But, like, yeah, I have a podcast. I just talk about the strike on my podcast. And and it's, like, the the listeners totally get it because it's it's happening across industries. And, obviously, you look at something like TV writing and, like, look, this this is a dream job for a lot of people. It was certainly a dream job for me. And it's it's not working at Starbucks. It's not working at, uh, you know, at Chipotle. Uh, but like you look at the, the union movements that happen in those uh, those industries, it's the same sort of thing of like these are very profitable corporations that are not paying the workers who are essential, like who are the core part of their product. And so you have no choice there to, but to collectively bargain. And that's what's happening here. And the other thing I'll say, and I apologize for ranting a little bit here, but one thing that I've seen out on the picket lines is that all the other entertainment unions and other unions are coming out and supporting yes. us and walking with us and saying they have our back. IATSE has been out there, who, you know, is it represents a lot of the crew uh, that works on shoot. SAG-AFTRA has been out there in force. Oh, yeah. I've seen, a, you know, the laborers have been out there. Uh, and also we just had people like, you know, like a dude who works at Pizza Hut just came by our picket line <laughs> and just walk with us. He was like, yeah. this is fucked up. And it's just like, yeah, it is. Uh, we had someone who came out to the picket line today. And she was a woman who, I'll just say she was uh, the Karen demographic. <laughs> and she was just kind of standing around. I went over to her and I talked to her. And she was like, 
Um, uh, my son drove me out here. I don't walk so well anymore, but I was a bus driver. Mm. I was on a strike in 1973, and I just wow. wanted to come out to. I was in the transportation union. I just wanted to come out to support you. And it's just like this is great that all of you know the 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 plasterers, the steel workers are all supporting the same yeah. cause because it's the same struggle everywhere. Exactly. Mm. LA is a union town. Yes. And yeah. when I've been out on the picket line, every bus driver honks their horn. Yeah. Every Love bus that. driver, truck driver, they are honking that horn. Right. Yeah. 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 Because yeah, I think. It is hard. It's it's tough because it's like people will see a TV writer, anybody that works in entertainment, and they're like, "Well, what are you complaining yeah, about? You work right. in entertainment." And it's like, absolutely, but that is a job, and we should be striving to get the best out of our job. Just like if you're a teacher, you should be challenging the education system, yeah. or if you're you know delivering packages for you know FedEx or whatever, you should be making sure that you guys are getting all of the things that you deserve. And I feel like that's part of like the messaging and people having these platforms now because it is so easy for like even. Um, was it Deadline that put out that weird article that was like, guess what? You guys aren't going to have Stranger Things because there's yeah. a writer strike. And it was like, it isn't because of the writer strike. The it's because yeah. they're treating employees like gig workers and offering 150 bucks a day to write something. Yeah. And like, that's not okay. So yeah. yeah, I feel like it's been this like, it's been cool too, like you said, to see all these people. Because I think it's, I think it's, I've seen it going both ways. Where yeah. it's people being like, why are you complaining? You have yeah. no right to complain. It's like, well, listen, if you listen to what's actually happening, as opposed to just seeing someone in Hollywood and being like, but it's Hollywood. Yeah. Like, there really <laughs> is Martin a reason. doesn't need more yeah. money. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and it's like, you guys should all be fighting for more money as well. You should yeah. be fighting for better, you know, care, better health care, whatever it is that you need. Yeah. And can we also get into residual pay. I think some people believe TV writers are rich because you write an episode and then every time it reruns, you get money, which is true. Mm -hmm. You know, that is true if you worked in the 90s and you wrote on Friends. Right. Uh, <laughs> but today, now things are streaming. And in that 2007 negotiation, one of the things that they didn't really get was residual rights on streaming, video on demand for writers. So now you're probably writing a show for HBO Max mm -hmm. or Netflix and you're not getting money every single time someone watches that episode. No. I will say, too, I was uh, shook by that. <laughs> because the first show I wrote on was in 2020 for Andrew Marks. And then in 2023, I got the residuals for it. Which, first of all, that's crazy. That's three years later. Yeah. And then I looked at the checks and I was like, huh? It was 10 episodes of a show. And, I mean, we made $100 per episode. And I think that's actually good residuals for what I've been hearing. And so, but that's $1,000 for writing a whole TV series. You yeah. know what I mean? And as an actor, I can definitely see the difference in residuals. It does not... It's, you're not being compensated. I remember, too, when commercials first started going online to, like, Hulu and whatnot, they were paying yeah. people as if they were web series. Right. And we are like, excuse me, this is not a web series. This is a national yeah. commercial that people are seeing a million times. And so that has been worked out now so that you actually get paid. And so I, to me, it's just like... Of course you should raise residuals. People should get a bigger percentage of what they're creating. Of course. Yeah. But they're still fighting back. And in fact, they don't even tell the viewership numbers to the showrunners, right? They right. keep that all secret. A lot of that stuff is just under lock and key. I mean, that's an information asymmetry where it's just like they, you know, knowledge is power is the cliche. They are more powerful because they have that information and it's not being dispersed. Um, I think that... Yeah, that needs there we need transparency there. We need to know how many views these things are getting and then if they're monetizing things again and again as they have when they re-air say a show in syndication, if they're using yeah. this to, you know, drive viewership because it's re-airing on their streaming service, then yes, the people who create it should be compensated for. Yeah, it. and it drives me crazy especially with Hulu because if you watch an old program on a Hulu 
they will still put commercials in it. Right. Even yeah. if it's on Netflix without commercials, on Hulu, they will run ads in it. And it's like, I know you're making more money off of this. Yes. Give Absolutely. it to the writers. Yeah, that's the thing is like seeing those types of things and knowing that they have that money and knowing that... At this point, the majority of TV is streaming and you can put ads in it and you guys are obviously raking it in. So it's like, give a, you know, yeah. 2%, 3%, whatever it is, it's nothing. It's nothing. That's a great point that like, yeah, TV is streaming now. Yeah. That's the whole, yeah. that like, that's what the, the model has changed to. Yeah. And so, and also we see things where they'll air something that's streaming and then they'll re-air it on re-air linear it on television. linear television. Yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Which, you know, I do think is going to be what we see maybe this summer when they all run out of content mm. or in the fall, if that's, you know, how long this goes. They did that in 2007. People might remember they aired edited versions of Dexter on CBS. One of my favorite 2007 strike notes is just there were truly people who were watching Dexter on CBS like what, how did someone yeah. just get killed? We didn't see any murder or blood. They took an hour long show and edited it down to 22 minutes. 20, right? <laughs> oh my God. Wow. Uh, so there are some people who are like, okay, okay. Fine, the studios have money. They can give you money. Mm -hmm. But why won't you writers shut up about this artificial intelligence thing? Mm. That's been a big sticking point in this year's negotiations. Uh, Obviously, it was not something that came up in 2007. wasn't really something that came up three years ago because the studios were just like, we don't really know where this technology is going. And now today, they're still trying to go, well, we don't really know where this technology is going. And the last time they did this was 2007 with streaming platforms. (laughs) They were like, we don't really know where streaming is going, so we don't want to pay you residuals on it. And now it's, well, we don't know what's going to happen with AI which is kind of a big giveaway, you know? Right. They're going to be looking. They're going right. to be looking. Right. And, you know, more uh, <laughs> more actors are seeing AI clauses in their contracts. This is clearly something the studios want to take advantage of. And, you know, I, mostly what I'm seeing on Twitter are people who are just like, whatever, you human writers suck anyway, and I want the robots to write everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But can you explain why this is such an important point for the Guild to, to stay focused on? It's fundamentally still about money because anytime industry can automate labor and replace it with a machine, they will do that. And so that's because that saves money on labor costs. And so it's their ultimate goal. Now, this technology is still fundamentally in its infancy, especially when applied to like writing like narrative. Like it just yeah. it isn't quite up yeah. to the job yet, but they're going to be looking to do this. And so that's part of the reason we need to get it into contract language, like towards what you were saying. If they don't want to talk about something, that means it's something that we have to talk about. If we went along with what they were saying back in 2007, if the writers who who were before me went went along with what they were saying and just sort of like, okay, we won't talk about the internet. Let's figure out DVD residuals because that's the big thing right now. We (laughs) got to get lock in a good number here. You had to be focused on the future as well as the present. And so I think it's a great thing to address. Absolutely. I feel like that's been something that's been coming up in different industries across the board. And then you see these videos of like actors that aren't really there, but the AI is creating them in a place. Yeah, and moving their mouth. Yeah, and moving their mouth. That's creepy. And it looks real. And so it's just like, that is something that needs to be worried about, just like what you said, because we said we weren't going to worry about streaming, and now here we are. So it's like, we need to look to the future. We need to look, we need to think of like, as like an evil, like, you know, twisting the mustache guy on the train tracks. Like, what would he be doing? Yeah, what would the villain be doing? He's working with the robots. He's working with them. And so, yeah, no, so it's like, we gotta, we have to get ahead of it because they really will just start feeding scripts into, you know, AI, have it read a thousand 
thousand pages. And then yeah, the other thing is like writers, we don't want AI trained on our scripts. Yeah, right. if these studios own them and they're just feeding them into the Chat GPT machine, yeah. what does that what does that mean exactly for the future? And for art, I mean, it sounds and for you know, art, yeah, for art, it's art. Like, are we really gonna have machines that's like doing that's like math projects making art? Doesn't that doesn't math to me? You know? Yeah, it's yeah. You know, the only thing I like to see CGI and AI on is if it's the last season of the Goldbergs and they are CGI entering Jeff Garland yes. uh, into a wedding scene and then I'm all for it. Give me all Absolutely. that you got. Yeah, give me, you give it, it to me Absolutely then. Absolutely unhinged and Other- I love it. <laughs> yeah, so good. So We're good. Just like, I don't need to believe that's a real human. <laughs> no. So another thing that we're, you know, kind of all fighting for are greater minimum pay across the board. Can you kind of explain for people what that means? Because I think a lot of people don't realize that, yeah. you know, there are these minimums. It's not like you get into writing and yeah. the studios can be like, here's three million dollars. Yes, I can take that one actually as an actor that recently transitioned to Please. writing because I'm telling you, I was like, oh, these checks, oh, these checks are good. <laughs> and I was like, this is money. Like, you know, if you do, you know, a voiceover job, you don't get nearly the money that you get as right but that was the thing that that's the thing that gets people caught up is you're hearing four thousand or five thousand dollars a week is the minimum somebody had a really great tweet about this like okay so i four thousand to me was what i thought the minimum was so if you're getting four thousand as a staff writer we forget that these things are being taxed they're being uh you have to give ten percent to your agent ten percent to your manager and if you have a lawyer five percent to your lawyer so there's twenty five percent more of your paycheck and ten percent they took for taxes and then with you know, rent is absolutely insane. I mean, I was looking for new apartments today and I was like, this is a joke. I'm not going to do this anymore. Yeah. So it's like you forget how easily your money can be completely just dispersed so quickly. And so it's like if you're only working for nine weeks in a room making $5,000, that's only $45,000. And you might not work for a year, for a two, year three. Two after. I haven't, I haven't right. had a WGA job in a year. I've been saving my money like a little yeah. squirrel with their nuts because like you don't know what's going to happen with your career. It's not guaranteed. And the rooms are so short. I, I think that's the key point is that because, you know, like it, it's a lot of money per week. But, you know, if you look at that over the course of a contract, like like how long a contract is, if you're not on a show that's ongoing, if you're yeah. there for, you know, I, I was on a limited contract um, that ended at the start of March 2020. And then we know everything that happened then. So it was like, oh, okay. So that was my chunk of writing income that's going to sustain me through this global pandemic. And, you know, uh, that sort of shit comes up. So it's a very uncertain field. But also, where do you want the money going? Do you want, because like, here's the thing. Like, if they're not paying the writers, if they're not paying the actors, if they're not paying the crew, if they're not paying the people who make this content, they're not just like giving that money to charity. Right. They're keeping it for themselves. So right. do you want it going to the CEOs or do you want it going to the writers? Do you want it going to the actors? Do you want it going to the gaffers and the cameramen and the directors and, and the makeup artists and the costumers? It's the same sort of thing that I think starts to happen with like, you know, athlete unions yeah. where people are like these spoiled rich athletes. <laughs> just like, do you want the owners to have more fucking right. money? Do you want Steve Ballmer who's stomping his feet courtside to have more billions? Like, or do you want the people who are actually playing the game who are creating the product that you enjoy to be compensated for it. It's exactly. one of those industries where it's like you see the front facing people of the movement mm-hmm. and if you disagree you're going for them but it's like don't go for us. Yes. Yeah. Go for you know go head of Netflix them. and his 15th yacht or whatever. Okay, yeah. yeah go it's for like, them and their like 300 billion whatever salaries. Yeah. Like 
it's, it's not the writer. We're hoarding our 10 weeks of pay, maybe, just in case we yeah. don't work for three more years. They're hoarding millions and billions of dollars that they're making by not giving it, dispersing it to the people that are creating their work. Exactly. I got so riled up during my random spoke coffee all <laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs> you, you, you can't see it, okay, listeners, good. but he was he was riled. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> So there are people who will say, okay, okay, I get it. Writers, you need a living wage. Fine. I don't live in LA. I don't live in Hollywood. This doesn't impact me. Why should I care? There's already too much TV. I need time to keep up to catch up with my TV. So you guys could strike for forever. I don't care. Or I just watch old episodes of The Office anyway. I don't like new TV. Why should I care? Uh, my yeah. favorite was someone sent me a New York Times comment that was a guy saying, like, entertainment peaked with Greek tragedy. <laughs> All right. I love that one. Yeah, yeah, I've been getting so many DMs that are just like, TV today sucks. There hasn't been a good TV show made in the last five years. And then I just replied with like Barry, Secession, Abbott Elementary, all these. Sh- and he just went, damn, you're right. Never mind. Like, OK. What's the thing where it's like the first they came for the blah, blah, blah. And I said nothing. Then they came for the da, da, da. And I said nothing. I'm obviously very smart in quoting this. But you know what I'm talking about? It's the same concept as it is in politics. It's like, oh, I don't care about, uh, you know, immigration because I'm not an immigrant. But guess what? You know, it's going to come to your door eventually yes. in some way, shape or form including, you know, your TV could be written by AI and you don't want that. Like, come no. on, stop playing. Come but on, you don't. But it really is, I think, that everybody needs to understand that you should never just take shit lying down. You should never just sign the first yes. contract yeah. you get. You should never accept the first offer. And I think a lot of people, because it's that scarcity mindset, yeah. they're like, well, I gotta take it. And so I think that I would hope that people would see something like this and be inspired to do it in their line of work in whatever way that is. And so I, I think that, sure, it doesn't affect you. But first of all, yes, it does because it's pop culture. We literally create pop culture. Yes. And then second of all, it's going to come to you in some way, shape, or form when you get fucking, when they sit you down for a review and then they don't give you a promotion because they don't have the money right now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, something doesn't have to be for you for it to be popular and profitable. Exactly. So it's like, so I don't really pay attention to the MCU, but that's like a huge, you know, thing that a lot of people are are huge fans of. And notoriously, Marvel is not great about compensating the people who work for them. Again, that comes from Disney+. Plus. I talked to a, an IATSE lighting tech who worked on a Marvel show, and he's just talking about how onerous the working conditions were and how poorly he was paid. And it's like, you know, just because something's not for you does not mean that the people who make it should not be benefiting from its success. Yeah. Uh, and I think there's also a, a larger issue. Uh, and I think this folks speaks to what Nicole was getting towards, which is like this is about labor in America. Yeah. And, you know, some of the most encouraging things I've seen as, as a big union guy over the past few years have been like Amazon warehouses unionizing. Mm-hmm. I yeah. mentioned Starbucks and Chipotle unionizing uh, Burgerville up in Portland, a local uh, chain restaurant unionized. When we see that happening, like that is great for everybody because it asserts the strength of the worker versus ownership. And it's the same sort of thing with WGA is like we are a very visible union. We are a reasonably powerful union on the context of America. So be rooting for us because we are you. Mm -hmm. We are also workers. And also, if you like those old episodes of The Office, guess what? They were written by staff writers, (laughs) staff writers who probably could make more shows you like. If they could get a living wage writing shows, you know, they but they don't have I think there was a story of one uh, black guy who wrote for The Office for like three seasons and he had to work at Macy's after. And it's just like that's the reality for so many of us. Absolutely. I was literally I mean, before the strike even started, I was like, okay, time to get a survival job. Just like like, I got to plan it because you're constantly planning ahead for like 
poverty. Like, poverty yeah, you know, poverty. Like, when you run out of money, it's a terrifying way to live. And I can't even imagine if I had kids. Like, I just, you know, no. Yeah, a no, dog no. is enough for me. Yeah. I can't. Yeah. I'm like, okay, no, you're you. kind of cheap, so I'm good with you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people say about 2007, uh, TV got worse. It made TV worse. Uh, one of the, you know, the big examples they always use are Heroes, sure. uh, uh, Friday Night Lights, Grey's Anatomy, which all had huge drops in quality. Uh, I think that's, you know, what the fans noticed. Uh, I don't know that today people will notice that because we don't have 22 episode seasons. Like there aren't things that are going to be being written while things are on air. Uh, Abbott Elementary is probably the only one that would have come close and they shut down production. But what I do think is maybe kind of important and what we saw this week is that the studios are now trying to cancel their overall deals uh, with certain creators. And so this is kind of the one thing they have that they can do Yeah, <laughs> is, you know, I think a lot of fans, I know personally, when I hear about an overall deal with someone I love, I get so excited about it. Say there's someone out there who's like, I am so happy Lena Waithe has a deal with Prime Video, you know? Mm-hmm. And Amazon, in, in, in this, they go, well, we're canceling all of our overall deals because the writers won't write. And it's like, yeah. that is work that now will not exist. They did this back in 2007. We saw tons of writers who were amazing, worked on wonderful shows, lose their overall deals. And there was just like this just lack of content and like yeah. quality shows for like two to three years. Can you kind of explain for people like what is an overall deal? Like what? why is that something that matters? What I can bring this back to is that it's... It, this is the same playbook that they that they always do, and that that's what's uh, the, that's what we can at least look at from the two thousand seven two thousand eight strike. Like you were saying, they did that same thing. So, like you know, we know what their moves are, and we understand that they're going to p- deploy them cynically. Yeah. Um, typically, overall deals are people who have you know some prominence and some success in the industry, and you know are kind of just like you're just kind of on the hook to help develop stuff for us to create content for us, and we're going to pay you over the period of this deal. And so when they have a work stoppage like this, a lot of times I feel like that's used as an excuse, right? It's just like they were looking to do this anyway, and now they have a thing they can point towards and then try to, again, blame their workforce for it. And and it's also a way to try to divide the workforce. Exactly. And also, you know, there are other entertainment groups and unions that are impacted by this who could be manipulated with that kind of messaging when there are like hair and makeup teams who are like, I am being hurt by your strike because I can't get work. And I've only really seen that so far at Netflix. There were there were three counter protesters, but otherwise everyone has been coming together so like wonderfully. That's what's encouraging. It's just, yeah. you know, again, it, it, you, you see people out there. I was talking to a prop master. I was talking to a costumer. You know, they're coming out and they're, they're picketing with us because yeah. they know they have their own struggle. And, you know, like a like DGA has their deal expiring SAG after the Actors Union. Their deal expires at the yeah. end of June. Mm-hmm. We might be on the picket line at the same time because mm-hmm. they're trying to. I hope so. Again, I, hey, I would love that shit. Yeah. Uh, they're, but they're trying to get the middle class everywhere. Yeah. And I think the Director's Guild is theirs. Up? DGA, yeah. yeah Director's DGA Guild is, is, up is up soon. Yeah. 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 Uh, are you excited? Are you hoping you're double striking? Uh, yeah, I'll be double striking. Yeah, <laughs> I, I pretty much already am. I mean, I was supposed to like I was supposed to record a voiceover today. I can't record it because we don't have any writers. You know what I mean? So it's already yeah. hitting us. It's already hitting the actors. And I think also speaking of like overall deals, I think what people don't. 
always think of is how the machine is never done. The machine doesn't stop. Yeah. Like you're saying, like people are like, well, I got to catch up on my, my, you know, my 10 episodes of whatever anyway. So it doesn't matter. It's like, sure. But like you do understand that TV gets, takes a very long time, long time to get to made. Make. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Like, like, these people with the overall deals are working on shows that you might see in five years yeah. or working on shows you'll never see. It but never regardless, see, yeah. they're pitching, pitching, pitching all the time. And I think that's that's stopping. And people don't understand that when we roll around to like, what, the fall? It's going to be, you know, a mess. A mess. It's going to be... Yeah. It might not be as bad as Heroes or the second season of Friday Night Lights, but yeah. it's going to be bad. <laughs> what happened with the second season of Friday Night Lights? Oh, my gosh. Seen it. Oh, it basically happened during the 2007 writer's strike, mm-hmm. and they had to they decrease the episode order. And you could tell they had a lot of big plans for that season. There's like a murder plot that gets started, all this stuff. And you're like, oh, where's this all going to go? And then just to clean it all up, they have this character who... Landry, who is the most docile person, uh, played by Jesse Plemons. Yes, Jesse Plemons, just like the sweetest boy, and they have him commit a murder. <laughs> I only wow. literally only know that because I've been seeing that meme going. Yeah, around. where it's like the last trailer. time there was a writer strike, Landry killed someone. Yes, and it's that's like the moment that season went off the rails and was so bad that the next season they were just like, let's just not even ever talk talk about that again. Like, they just moved on from yeah, it. Uh, kind of like Heroes did, where right. they had, Don't like, all these plot lines up in the air, and they were just like, you know what? We never have to go get Peter's Irish girlfriend back from her timeline. Let's just let that go. Hilarious. <laughs> Hilarious. So, you know, I think some of the Strike TV was brilliant in how bad it was. Yeah. Uh, you know, we got Kid Nation. We got a shot at love with Tila Tequila. Right. This- <laughs> Yeah, great. Endearing uh, shows, endearing yeah. shows. Yeah. Um, one more thing on that: yeah. a lot of people, I think, don't realize that Jeopardy is WGA. Those yeah. are union writers, right. and I've been walking the line with a lot of Jeopardy writers. Like they're going to run out of Jeopardies at a certain yeah, point. Yeah, absolutely. So it's like you talk about the content pipeline just needing to continue. Like right. at a certain point, they're going to run out of shit, and it's not like the studios are going to stop making scripted content for all time. At a certain point, they need more stuff, yeah. and I think that's a big part of our leverage. And like late night yeah. is already shut, shut down. down yeah. Much. Shut down, yeah. yeah, Nicole Byer was telling me about how like nailed it. Her, it's the also like you're yeah. saying like these reality shows yes. that are reality competition shows. They can't work. They have writers on them that are WGA and they can't do it. Yeah. So it is like oh, I'll just watch you know, <laughs> I don't know, Shaq shoot a basketball. <laughs> I don't know why that was my first thought. I'm, I'm apparently in 1996. I'm in. I don't know, I'm yeah. in. That's so I'm good. Like, I'll just watch that. Two months from like, now, that's yeah, gonna be on NBC. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Shaq shoot a basketball. Shaq shoots basketballs, <laughs> and it's just Shaq. You got nothing to say because nobody's Cause nobody's writing. For him. Yeah, and I would say. Also, something that's been really cool that I've seen, uh, speaking of like double strikes or just affecting other industries, is like support workers, like people, literally like writers' assistants who make very yeah. little money, work very hard, and are immediately now out of jobs, which could easily be, be like, I don't know how to pay rent next month. And so that's been a good, but they have also been on board with this because they know that like this is a tough time, but it will benefit us in the future. And like, we can make this better. We just have to kind of buckle down right now and work yeah. for it. Uh, and I feel like from what you're saying, a lot of people don't understand shows like Jeopardy have writers, reality shows. WGA was going to pick it, the MTV oh, yeah. uh, Fan Awards, I believe. They announced it, and within like 20 minutes, MTV was like, never mind, we're canceling it. We'll just do a streaming award show. Can you explain how those types of shows have writers? Because there were so many, you know, teenagers who don't know who are yeah. just like, why are the writers ruining my 
best MTV Kiss Award moment. I, I think it's <laughs> funny about that kind of stuff because I wrote on a couple of award shows and I think that's funny. I don't think I had even ever thought about how much writers are involved in that. But my God, those people aren't saying one word that they are thinking. You know, no. they're, it's yeah. just, they're reading off of prompters, the, the games and the bits where somebody comes into the audience and delivers pizza that was created by a writer. A writer. You know, like anything you see that goes viral and you're cracking up over it, unless it's like uh, some random drunk celebrity wandering on stage and saying something. <laughs> Writers are creating this and they, you know, you work your ass off pitching like jokes, jokes, jokes all day, every day. And so that's not something that can go on without writers. Yeah. yeah. And I think it, I just think what's so hard to always remember is it's not us causing the problem. Like we're the ones that make like the, the, the memes that you see, the jokes that you make with your friends, the that's what she said, those type of things. They don't just come from nowhere. They come from writers creating yes. it. And yeah, the award shows are very much very much writers. Writer. Yeah, you think uh, the celebrities can be charming right. live on camera at an award show? No. Hell no. They have writers making them seem charming and so relatable in their speeches. Yeah, Come on. Yeah, like giving them their little quips and their little bits. Yeah. yeah. I actually wrote for the MTV Movie Awards previously and I would say, if anything, there was too much writing going on in that <laughs> yeah. show. A certain point, I was like, guys, can we relax? Yeah, what are we like, doing? Come on, That's I think we can hilarious. just give out the golden popcorn. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, let's, let's ease up on it. If you're on a GLP-1, you're probably loving the results. But how do you feel? All of those side effects can take a toll. So now what? Get to GNC. We'll help with solutions to address those side effects and keep you going on your journey. GNC. Here you are. BPMs high, sweat dripping, body moving, tongue panting. You're working hard, real hard, and you're thirsty. You need vitamins, nutrients for peak performance and energy. And your plants do too. Aw, I mean, just look at the little guy. Water-soluble plant food from miracle Grow is full of essential nutrients. Just a little scoop into your watering can and boom, instant feeding and bigger, more beautiful plants. It's kind of like a sports drink for your plants. You may have to suffer from heat, but your plants do not. Something I've also noticed is that I think today the way TV is made is so removed from the viewer. Like back when this was happening in 2007, I had an idea of like, oh, there's a showrunner in a writer's room and this is how it kind of goes. And nowadays people truly will be like, Donald Glover wrote every single episode of Atlanta. Right. Uh, the actors weren't acting. They were just geniuses right. who were ad-libbing the whole time. Right. Uh, and so people aren't seeing the value of the writer. They're really just like, what What do you need that for? Like Issa Rae wrote all of Insecure. Why would you need 12 writers? Right. <laughs> Why do you think that has happened? Do you think it's because the studios know they benefit from just making the viewer as ignorant about that as possible? I think so, but I also think that uh, showrunner to me, showrunners are more visible nowadays. Like I always would see like Marta Kaufman and whoever the other person was <laughs> for friends. Yeah. Was that yeah? Like you would see that, but you wouldn't necessarily know. But now it's like. I know, you know, what Issa Rae looks like, and she's a celebrity in her own right. David Simon is a celebrity in his own oh, yeah. right. These showrunners, it could seem like there isn't this big, uh, you know, production going on behind the scenes. And so you just think. And I think that also, I don't know. What I've noticed as an actor and a writer sometimes is, like, something will go viral or meme, be memeable, and you'll never see 
see an actor be like, yo, that was the writer. The writer's yeah. fucking funny. You know what I mean? Like, you'll never see that. They'll be like, thank you so much. Yeah, yeah it really was funny when I yeah. did that. There's just like a little bit of like erasure of writers. And I just, but I do think that because people aren't seeing that and because they, they're so used to like the bloopers and the, you know, they think that's behind the scenes, but it's actually like we're pitching line after line yeah. after line on set too. On set. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I think that's also, you know, kind of sometimes the nature of the job, like the person saying the line is the, in certainly comedies, the person is going to get the laugh or is going to get the reaction in, in, in anything. But it the people writing the line should at least be compensated. And yeah. fundamentally, I think that's what it's about. Uh, to what you're talking about, about like, you know, room sizes getting smaller and like, you know, and an auteur showrunner writing every episode. Uh, you know, there are some people who wanted to, to do that workflow. Uh, I will say that that one thing that we should note is that the number of writers required in a room in the current contract is zero. So like they can say like, hey, there's, you know, and so, and, and so there are showrunners who want to not have a staff, but there are a lot of showrunners who have no say over how large their staff is. And there are a lot of show like for every one showrunner who gets to be like, oh, I just want to write everything myself. There are 20 or 30 or 50 who are, are being given this the, a writer's room the size that the network says they can have, that the studio says they can have. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, I think it's important to preserve those jobs so that people who do want to have a room can have one. Yeah. 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 And could you give listeners an idea of like, what is the writer's room process like? Yeah. I think a lot of people just think what well, you sit around eating snacks and making jokes about high school. Like, yeah, that's right. Even Got do? a problem with that? <laughs> I, mean, like, I mean, actually, yes, that that's is what all you do. Uh, and also there's a whiteboard usually. Uh, <laughs> yeah, whiteboard. Maybe some post notes. It's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, yeah, I think that it, it's been interesting for me just learning that process because I like I, my, I was on my first narrative room. That was the last job I did. And it was like. I mean, it's such a process, mainly just breaking the story, just deciding what's going to happen in every single episode, working together by pitching, um, you know, story ideas or just jokes and riffing together and creating like literally the outline and the template for every episode of like this is going to happen. And then eventually after kind of you're all pitching together, which that's why I love a big writer's room, because it's yeah. like that's where the jokes are made, man. That's why the they're diversity of, ideas, yeah. diversity of ideas and like you your characters have different voices because of it. And so, yeah, it's like after that's done, some a writer will go off and write, you know, script it by themselves, but then it'll come back to the room. And then everybody in the room will be rewrite it and punch it up. And it's something that to me, I come from like Second City, Chicago world. And so it's like very improv, like, you know, six people create a thing together and you're, you always have each other's backs. And so to me, it's like, I think that that process is so necessary. Like that you have to have different voices and different people creating so that the products can be the best it is. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's a collaborative medium TV and film like on, at, at every level and it's you know the 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 PAs and the production designers and the the costumers and the uh, the makeup artists and the actors like everyone is collaborating and that extends to the writers room and I always feel like just like you know two brains beats one, eight brains beats two like you just want more Minds in there uh, to try to to you know crack a story or beat a joke or just you know I don't know I mean like 
this process has endured for a long time, I think, for a reason. I don't think it's just path dependency. I think it is like this is the best way to craft something where you need a lot of episodes or you have like an ongoing narrative arc over a season or multiple seasons. I think you just need lots of bodies in there to try to f- track this thing. Think yeah. about how many freaking people on Twitter want to tell you how to have the next episode of your show be. <laughs> right, right, right. It's the same damn thing. It's like you guys are doing what we're doing. We're saying like, yeah. no, I don't think you should go there. I, I don't think, think that's you should, you know. And you're working with all these people to make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I love it. Uh, so you're both on strike right now. Yeah. You're not writing. Is there anything you, you're you watching right now? You got any strike TV watch lists? Is there mm. anything you... Well, you're doing with all this new free time, my wife and I are watching Yellow Jackets, Ooh, um, and we have been ongoing. Uh, uh, love season one, still on board with season two. Interested to see where it's going. The other show we've been watching is on Freebie, which is at what you can find, get on Amazon Prime. Jury Duty. Oh yeah, yeah. Which, uh, oh. Jury Duty cracks me up. It's so good. It's really amazing, good. Amazing, amazing cast. Yeah, David Brown, who is just so funny, is in it. Uh, he's a and Shrimp Boy is a really good comedian. I was so just surprised by that show. Yeah. I didn't know what to expect. At first, I was just like, oh, I'm going to be uncomfortable with this because they're being so mean to this yes. like guy who doesn't know. And then by the end, you're just like, he's the most precious person in the world. Yeah. I still haven't seen that show, but I did interview it for it and I for a writing position for it. And I was like, what? Huh? <laughs> I didn't even understand how they would do it. Yeah. And apparently yeah. they did it so well. So it's well. Like incredible. And yeah. you see the scripts and how they had so many just like, okay, if he says this, we'll do this. If he says this, we'll do this. Uh, maybe we can get him to do this. And just all of these backup plans and just being able to like pivot so quickly. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. So the actors are all like improvising different characters and like it the 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 one guy that they're pranking. It's the one guy who, for anyone who hasn't seen the show, it's like one guy on a jury who is is just like a real person who thinks it's an actual trial that's being filmed. Um, and like you were saying, like he's so wholesome and I, yeah. what, whatever work they did to figure out like that, this was the guy to center it around. It, it's so, cause like, you're just so worried. Like, Oh, don't say something problematic. Don't, you know, yeah, like don't, don't make me dislike rude. you. Don't be mean. But, uh... but he's so wholesome. at a certain point, like one of the characters, uh, one of the actors who's playing a character who's kind of like, you know, kind of a nerdy guy. He's like, I'm going to show him a bug's life because this movie is about how you can like use your own talents to like stand out in a crowd. stand out and yeah. still be like, yeah, yeah. he literally for each person was just like, oh, this guy, like he's actually going through a separation with his wife and he's like, we'll always be there for you, man. Like even after this. And I'm just like thinking how I'd be in that situation where I'd be like, yo, buddy, you got to vote. Like, <laughs> like just no, right. I would not have gotten the money at the end. <laughs> oh, do you get money at the end Yeah. Too? So at the end they're like, and because you were like such a good person, and like had a pure heart uh-huh. and all this like so James Marsden is in it and plays <laughs> yeah. like a big part and my favorite thing is that you can tell this guy really wants to be friends with James Marsden yes. he just thinks it. it's so cool and he is just like I, just, I gotta go I gotta go hang with James man I gotta go help James I'm doing this with Marsden and then slowly James Marsden does the best job just like turning into this asshole like over time and still the guy just like will not like flip on him won't tell everybody that he's being a jerk he's still just like Okay, James. Like, and you see him kind of fed up, and he's just like, still, yeah. It's that it's incredible. Great. I love that. Yeah. I like that he's not really familiar with a lot of Marsden's work, but he's like, yeah. "You're the guy from Sex Drive." Yeah. <laughs> like, wait, that's the kind of it and made yeah. Yeah, and bought it and like asked him to sign it. <laughs> that's adorable. Yeah. Uh, are you watching anything, Nicole? I've been watching Succession. Uh, I just I can't. It's so good. It's so good. It's so good. It's so, so good. And this last episode, yeah. 
Ooh, it yeah. was spicy. It was spicy. And I think it's like, it's that's one of those shows to me that almost feels improvised. It feels so quick yeah. and so smart. And it feels like they're just playing. But then you realize like it's all scripted and it's just incredible. Like it just flies by so fast. Just so fast. That some of those, like some of those jokes, I'll be like, ah, like it yeah. like literally will fly by me. And I'm like, oh yeah, that was funny. You know, it's, and, and, and yeah, like the drama of it, the, the episode, you know, I don't know, episode three for giving uh, away spoilers or what, but yeah. like. It was just, they said they shot it like once the regular way you shoot TV where it's just like scene by scene. And then one time they went through it, the all 27 yeah. minutes of it. And I'm yeah. just like, that's, one that's shot. my shit. I love that's it. the stuff I love. Oh, yeah, It's just yeah. been really good. And I, I mean, it's obviously everybody loves that show, but like seeing how it's kind of going to wrap up has been very good. Yeah. It's good, good, uh, good. yeah. One of the shows where I'm like, oh, if you like that show and the people who write it, you should probably support the Writers Guild. Yeah. And then maybe they can write other shows you'll like. That's mm. the thing. That's the thing that we all hope for. (laughs) (laughs) If you want to support the writers, anyone in L.A. or New York can join a picket line or drop off food and water. That's anyone. If you're a fan of television, if you want to be a writer someday, pre-WGA, if you're in another guild, another union, anyone can come out to support. Uh, You can also donate money to the Entertainment Community Fund, which helps non-writer Hollywood crew members. You know, all those costumers we were talking about, the prop masters, those people who are suffering hardships due to the strike. Uh, This is the fun for them. You just go donate at entertainmentcommunity.org and make sure to direct your gift to the film and television category when asked. I'll say something about that because I had I worked with them like a couple of years ago. Every like two years, I'm like, I'm gonna be a teacher. I gotta do something <laughs> different with my life. Like every you know, couple of years. Sure. Because oh, yeah. that's just how I roll. If I even sense a little bit of a pause in my career, I'm oh, like, yeah. I'm dying. <laughs> no, but um I did work with them. Like I there's they they offer a ton of programs. Uh also like, you know, they teach you how to be a teaching artist and like they work with dancers to get them in new careers when they kind of get too old to be dancers. And like they have a lot of different programs. And as soon as you go in there, it's like they're immediately there to help you. They help you with your resume. They help you look for jobs that you never considered. It's just one of those places that like I highly recommend donating to. And I highly recommend for people who like might feel weird about going in there because they're like, I don't know, like go. Because it's even if you don't end up being a teaching assistant in a high school (laughs) or a teaching artist in high school, like I, I was trying to do that. But even if you don't end up doing that, you at least know that you have like you're in powered by it like you have the you know the resources yeah. to, to get the kind of skills the training and you can write your resume for it that's amazing I really just thought they were like I don't know here's money for rent for a yeah. while so yeah they do all of that and yeah and they give money to people who need it so yeah it's like it's very important yeah, yeah I mean that aspect of it right now that's awesome context to know about the org but that aspect right now is like I think the focus of this donation drive because you know as we we're talking about earlier you know there's writers assistants there's writers yeah. PAs there's set PAs there's script supervisors, there's script coordinators, there's a bunch of writing adjacent jobs where, you know, people are potentially going to be struggling as the stoppage continues. And so it would be great to have people's support there. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we don't know how long this one's going to last. Could go 100 days like 2007. (laughs) Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Uh, Nicole, Nick, thank you so much for joining me. Do you have any final thoughts, things you want to plug? What what a treat! Thank you so much for having Thank me. Thank you. Yeah, this was great. Love oh just getting just getting angry. Yeah, <laughs> get fired up, spill coffee on yourself, get fired up, go back into the world. <laughs> yeah, again, anyone wants to join a picket line, you can join if you're in New York or LA. WGAContract2023.org, and there is a picket schedule and location. Uh, we're out there most days, nine to five. So just come yeah. on by. Uh, I have a podcast called about chain restaurants called Doughboys. I have a podcast about video games called Get Played. Check those out. And also, I want to shout out Ross Kimball, who's on jury. Duty, a, a buddy yes. of mine. He's great. Yeah. 
He's on jury duty the show or jury duty in real life right now? Um, Good question to ask. Uh, maybe both. I don't know. But he's definitely on the <laughs> I show. I was, I, was yeah. like, I was like, oh, I didn't know he was on that show. That's why I said that. I was like, I didn't know. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram. Yes. I like followers. Um, I, I do voiceovers for a show called Jellystone on HBO Max that we do have like two seasons up there. And then... Tuning out the news. We'll, we'll we'll pick that up after the strike, but yeah, yes. it'll still be there. Yeah. So yeah. Love tuning out the news. Yeah. Wonderful group of writers there. Uh, also, if you can't make it to the picket line, but you're in New York or LA, when you drive past, honk your horn. Honk it love loud. Oh, love a honk. Uh, every love. time you honk a horn, a TV writer gets their wings and a studio exec gets a migraine. So <laughs> you should do it. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank, Thank you. you. What a hoot. Thank uh, you. A, Thank you. I say with Ashley Ray, another episode, another episode. TV I Say with Ashley Ray is an Earwolf production made by me, Ashley Ray Harris. It's engineered by Abby Aguilar, produced by Scott Sani, executive produced by Amelia Chapelo, and our original theme song is by Rafia. It means so much to me if you go rate, review, subscribe, follow TV I Say. Let us know what you think and tell your friends. Share with your golden girls. Tell your boys. If you love my TV recommendations, let everyone you know know. For special TV club members, join my Patreon. And you can also find my full archive ad-free episodes of TV I Say over on Stitcher Premium. Use promo code TV I Say, all one word, for a one-month free trial at stitcher.com slash premium. If you're on a GLP-1, you're probably loving the results. But how do you feel? All of those side effects can take a toll. So now what? Get to GNC. We'll help with solutions to address those side effects and keep you going on your journey. GNC. Hi, it's Martha Stewart. You know, I spend a lot of time thinking about dirt. At 3 a.m.? At all hours of the day, really. What people don't know is that not all dirt is the same. You need dirt with the right kind of nutrients. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil is so dense, so full of nutrient-rich, high-quality ingredients. miracle Grow is simply the best. 